Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl and Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This year marks the 50th birthday of your favourite Sunday World newspaper. To celebrate, we're looking back over some of the front page stories and the scandals with the big name journalists who made it the people's paper. So join us to reel in the years over the coming weeks on Crime World. Sunday World is 50. A Crime World special. When did you buy your first bag of cocaine? <laughs> it was about eight or ten years ago, just on Talbot Street. Uh, and I stupidly, I remember, I remember you asking me, no, asking out, open into the office, I need someone to buy a bag of coke because you had done the deal. You had done the deal on this burner phone that we had. Oh, we're going to get arrested now here. Well, uh, well, it's, uh, oh God. No, it's, uh, yeah. no, it's fine. It's free, okay. it's free. And um, this phone wasn't a smartphone like we were used to or whatever phone we were on at the time. And I don't know where you got that phone, by the way, Nicola. That's another day. Um, it was kind of yellow and banana shaped. And um, phone, you had uh, heard that there was someone who was willing to deliver, like a, like a delivery, but for drugs and you made contact with this guy you found a number in an ad or someone gave it on to you and then you realised that it couldn't be you getting it <laughs> and you just said with someone Go anyone pick up and I obviously was feeling a little brave and I said yeah sure why not um, what do I need to do <clears throat> and he explained that uh, well look I've done the deal uh, he's coming but uh, or he's due to come today and I just need you to uh, finish the transaction and uh, <laughs> go and buy this bag of <laughs> coke man with your on hands the street. On the we better just sort of explain. No, no, no. Just leave it, there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great news story. Yeah, it was a story just for anybody who has yeah, just popped definitely. into this. This was for a story. I wasn't just asking you to go and, <laughs> go and collect my coke for yeah. me, will you? Um, 
Yes, the the phone was like a banana. It was incredible. It Actually, was incredible. That's the biggest gripe about the whole thing was not buying cocaine and not being pictured <laughs> buying cocaine in a national newspaper. Um, it was the bloody phone because I had to, I had to text him at the last minute to say where to meet on Top of Street, and I couldn't work the phone. It was the most, I don't know. It honestly, was like a phone for a child, was it? it? Yeah, not from a uh, Western country. And <laughs> like, there's no screen. It was just buttons. And I was trying to work and through it. And it was quite the big, tech. but it yeah. was so obvious. It was big. Yeah, It was like a big yellow toy. Yeah. And, but we were using it to, to do discreet. these big news stories. I'd be discreet and I'm walking down Top of Street. <laughs> I also remember the funny thing in the car park where we were parking. Dave, the security guy for the park, car park. I was just walking by to do this. And we had a photographer <laughs> ready to go. And he wanted a full-blown chat as I walked by. <laughs> And I'm like, not now, Dave, not now. <laughs> Seriously. And I kind of made eyes at him and he was such a nice fella. And all he wanted to do was have the chat. And I said, Dave, later. And yeah. I still don't know to this day. I should have asked him. Did he stand there watching me do this deal? Do your deal. So you got your bag of Coke. I did. We brought it back, sent it off for testing. And no, we brought out. it back and we tested it in the sink oh, in the right. ladies on the fourth floor. That's right, because we had the sw- we had the testing we kits. We had something that turned it a different colour or that's something like that. Yeah, and I turned, then had to pour it down the sink. And turned the entire sink blue. Or I turned the whole sink blue and somebody yeah. came in in the middle of it. And I was I sort of just going, sorry, just one second. I'm just pouring some cocaine down the sink here. I mean, um, these are the, it's the not, not very sexy side of getting the story in the end. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that was my uh, my And the point of it, of course, was it was... You know, on demand, being delivered drugs. to the door, yeah. like that, and that was that was kind of new enough. At the that time, was the hook on that story. Buying yeah. buying drugs wasn't new. I'd actually done it previous. Come on, tell uh, us all about what happened. <laughs> oh, the first. Uh, sorry, yeah. So I lied at the top of this podcast. The first time I ever bought um, drugs was, was it Coke. The first time, or was well, it was drugs. That was the pitch. Get down to this club in Limerick, and uh, a, a very concerned parent phoned our news desk one day to say that they heard that this club was it was very easy to get drugs it was um, being infiltrated by the gangs down there and so the news editor asked me to go down to Limerick and get some and in the in the in the couple of days between coming up with the idea and actually heading down, uh, it was decided that I should go down with a female colleague as well so that we would just pose as a couple or just pals instead of me wandering around on my own and making it look like I was... Some sort of a freak. Exactly. Um, so we headed off down and um, we were in the club, I would say. We, we, we divided a little bit in first and I remember just walking past someone and just, I kind of pegged that they might be someone who would know I remember thinking, and I remember thinking, okay. And I was so nervous because, like, this is, it sounds stupid now. And I could possibly do it more confidently now. But I remember thinking to myself, I can't just ask someone. Mm-hmm. So I kept walking. And <laughs> I like you my the drink. the country. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I kept walking and I leaned up against the counter with my drink. And, and I was looking at him. And then I was like, if he... Were you trying to look really relaxed? And but I was cool. trying to look, I wasn't looking flirtatious. But you were uh, that was in my head. Cool. Cool, yeah, of course. My baggy cords, no doubt, at the time. And um, and I just, I remember thinking, do you know what? His mate has left him, now's the time. And I just asked him. I walked up to him and I said, look, you don't know. I'm, I'm down from Dublin with a couple of mates. You don't know if I can get any any drugs, any coke or anything. And he said, um, yeah, I do. And I said, um, he says, are you looking for pills or coke? And I said, no, coke is what I'm looking for. And he said, um, he said yeah, no problem. Follow me into the toilets in two minutes. And I literally went back to my drink 
or no, I had my drink in my hand. I went back to the, my perch at the at this counter. Mm-hmm. I saw him walking in and I walked in. There was a an individual working in the jacks there in the club and uh, he pointed at the cubicle and then I went to buy it. It was all an arrangement. Oh, with like I walked in not knowing what to go and yeah. I walked in and obviously he had said there's a fella coming in in a white shirt or whatever. Pointed in and yeah, did the deal there. And when was that? Oh, that was oh mid noughties. I'd mm-hmm. say uh, maybe maybe a bit later, maybe oh seven, yeah, oh eight, and yeah. um, so I was happy. Deal done. Out I went. Found my colleague who had purchased ten ecstasy tablets in the same amount of time, and we couldn't believe it. Like honestly, it was less than an hour we were in the club. Out we went. Brought them back to the office. Exact same thing as before. We didn't have the the in-house toilet kits to test. So there was a system that uh, the editor at the time knew about getting it checked. And once we had it confirmed what they were, was, yeah. story went. Yeah. And um, we, we we pictured ourselves, the 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 our man kind of setup that Sunday World like to do. The the two of us were pictured holding it. And then it was, it was um, disposed, of, disposed of, of. And yeah, it caused ructions at the time. I yeah. remember. Um, but... But, uh, because why? Because that would have been the point of that story was that would have been probably pre two thousand and seven, and that was the kind of when it started becoming Tiger. concerning that drugs were not only just available in Dublin, cocaine yeah. was now outside the, of the, all capital, over the exactly, country. and a big club, new club, newish, I think at the time, and um, had been getting a lot of publicity, and yeah, the obviously the parent caught the kid with a stash or something mm-hmm. after the previous weekend and decided they need to rumble this. Um, she had an axe to grind and she phoned into the news desk and I remember John Donlan um, telling me, yeah, let's go after go the story, it. yeah. So you're kind of used to people telling you to go out and buy coke. <laughs> <laughs> two for two, Nicola. <laughs> Although weirdly, you didn't ask me directly. I put my hand up. Yeah, I, was, no, I don't know yeah, what the yeah. hell was wrong with you that day. Uh, it was, yeah, just, no, yeah, it was, it was a quiet day and my Maybe feature land. <laughs> yellow phone you wanted to go with. <laughs> no, I definitely did. Um, but yeah, I mean, the point of those stories are that, you know, you can write a story and say it is believed that drugs are available here. Yeah, or it is believed exactly. that or you can go and do it. And like then it becomes in your face tabloid story. With the pictures. Here it is. And we just copy. did this and Absolutely. we got this. And, you know, it seems almost quaint now. The thoughts of going into a nightclub and, <laughs> yeah. and hoping to be able to buy cocaine when it's so everywhere. But look, we have followed the story of cocaine um, mm-hmm. you know, from its 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 early beginnings and and the first cocaine lords and onwards, and we're still following it now. It's sort of maybe gone to places, or certainly the story has gone to places, territories that we probably won't be able to go into because yeah. they're so far away. But it has, um, you know, nowadays you'd be looking at a small village, blink and you'd miss it, and Correct. going into a pub and being able to buy it and show that it's available there. But um, look. The Sunday world has been, you haven't only just bought drugs and you've bought all sorts of stuff. You've been through all sorts of experiences. Um, We're talking about 50 years of the Sunday world. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sunday world. And all the different experiences of all the different people that have worked in it. Yeah, I've been, I've had a mad journey. I'm 21, nearly 22 years here. And um, you kind of like, as I've said to you before, um, and we've discussed it in groups where you, it's it, it's a trade. It's not a like you kind of have to learn on the job. And I remember walking in that day in 2002, the euro had just been introduced and and um, I was really lucky. Someone had left 
a, a few weeks earlier, a journalist mm-hmm. had left to go to another paper. So there was a desk free. Who left? That was the only person in the entire history of the Sunday World to leave. Yeah, I, I don't know. And uh, really, but a nobody, desk. nobody ever leaves. It's like, it's like the Hotel California. Yeah, I know. We, well, I, I put this down to the fact that I wasn't a burden on anyone. I sat at this desk. I wasn't, a, you've seen it since the uh, work experience kids come in and they're sitting at desks and you're trying to help them out, but they, they're shuffled around from desk to desk. They're moving. Mm. I didn't have that. This desk was available. It happened to be beside um, John Donnan, the news editor at the time, and Neil was by, by his side. And um, so I had their ear. I was right there and I wasn't annoying anyone. I was just mm. getting on with it. And like, I mean, the early days, you'd get a job on a Tuesday and you'd be told just file the copy by the end of the week. Like it wasn't like, this was, this was a young lad who didn't have any experience. Um, or any and ability or still hasn't to say no. Have you ever actually, has that ever kind of like, have you ever considered maybe I should sometimes say no in life? I mean, in general. <laughs> no, I'm a yes man. Uh, and my kids would tell me otherwise. Uh, but no, I, I, well, you see, I was, you have to go with it. I was, you? I think that's one of the reasons I'm still here, Nicola. And you see people coming in, like you have to just grab these opportunities yeah. and cringy um, as they may be. I remember actually saying to John Donnell at one stage, I'm on a bit of a I'm having a bad patch here at the moment. I'm not pulling in any stories. Can you just throw me a bone every now and again and I'll I'll chase it up. I just really want to and the last time I met him, he actually remembers that chat saying that was the time I realized you actually wanted to do this. Right. You're kind of you've you've got to you've got to grow for it. You don't have the contacts yet, you're young, but you do want to go after chasing what stories. What age were you when you came in? Uh twenty one. And you had 21. previously been in a work experience. So in 1996, uh, in school, I got a week's work experience in transition year. And what was that and like? Was that terrifying? It was. Uh, I got one piece published. It was a rewrite. Um, our managing editor at the time just threw pieces of paper at me from other newspapers around the world. Uh, this was a Scottish um, Sunday newspaper. And he says, I'll do a rewrite on that and we'll try and get something in the paper for Sunday. At the time, I didn't realise what it meant. I just took this sliver of paper and uh, rewrote it and rewrote it a few times and looked stuff up. Um, and uh, yeah, the following Sunday, I, w- I actually went to, uh, I remember Texaco on Newtown Park Avenue at about 11 o'clock on the Saturday night when they used to drop in the papers mm. early. And my mum drove me around and um, we got the paper and I saw my byline and I'll never forget the the rush from it. Right. It was just incredible of seeing my name spelled right by the way um, <laughs> spelled correctly and uh, it was weird because I had never considered journalism until that week it was I love to write I loved English but I never considered journalism and um, yeah so I kind of got a bit of a, a bug for it then and so then when I'd finished college which was marketing I didn't do journalism uh, I came in here to get my to, to learn the trade I did my work experience in the evening press very good years and years ago and I was like 15 and gawky and awkward and all the rest of it and just totally mortified, you know what I mean, by yeah. everything and my, even yeah. the way I, everything. And I went into this like bustling newsroom. There was the evening press, the Irish press and the Sunday press. And it was like, I could just, I, I just remember just going in and being absolutely, utterly terrified. Oh, terrified, terrified, yeah. terrified, terrified. Yeah. And I took a wrong turn and I ended up in the basement, which was the printing press. Oh, and I remember coming back up the stairs and putting my hand on a, um, you know, the banisters. And I think I had a, like a tattoo. Black. Black yeah. across the palm of my hand We've for maybe about it. four years. Oh, really? Oh, my God. It just <laughs> never left. But anyway, I was found where I was supposed to be and was seated kind of you know, the way, I mean, newsrooms are busy. I feel so sorry for any of the kids that come in now because it, they are so busy and no one has time to take you aside unless somebody's kind enough. And then 
Yeah, that's my memory. Anyway, somebody was nice to say to me, sit there in the news desk and keep, you know, watch yeah. what's happening. So I sort of sat there like if I had, a, you see, I didn't even have a phone back then. I had of nothing course, to yeah. kind of occupy myself with. So I had to just sit there like a total like knob and, <laughs> you know, hope that I could look at my feet or whatever and nobody would see me. If I yeah. had an invisible cloak, I would have put it on. And the next thing, this phone started ringing beside me. And like it was the landline, the landline. Yeah. And I was going, oh, please stop. Yeah. Oh, please stop. Please stop ringing. Please stop ringing. And eventually this northern accent roared at me. Answer the fucking phone. <laughs> right. And I answered the phone and uh, it was actually Mick Sharkey, who is a really nice fella. And I ended up working for years, many years later. But anyway, I answered the phone and there was like some punter on the end yeah. of it. And I was like, hello. Um, could you ring back? Could you just ring back another number? Oh, could you ring back? You were handing that away. It could have been like the scoop of the year. Yeah. I didn't, I just wanted it all to, yeah, but it was fun. And I went down to the courts then. I sort of settled into it a little bit then. And I went down to the courts one day um, when I think, I think Eamon Kelly was being sentenced or certainly it was a cocaine case. It was in the 90s. And um, yeah, I went down to the courts and I was absolutely, that was, I was like, oh my God, my mouth was hanging open. But it was a scary place to do work experience. I always reckon Sunday World would be quite, a, despite what it looks like from the outside and what it looked like from the outside, I actually think it would be a warm and caring place to go in on your work experience. Somebody it would take was, you under the wing, no? Yeah, well, no, we, well, whoever brought me in um, had obviously divvied up the week Monday to Friday uh, people got different days I remember I had a day with Eddie Eddie Rowley yeah well he would have been so pleasant and oh my god he talked me through everything he got me to do little little kind of um, the little kind of uh, his new it's a different column now but he had had little sections on his column at the time and he got me to do them and it was kind of album previews and little things and now it probably took me all day to do it. And I'm sure yeah. he was happy with that as well. Like, and they got, they got in the paper. They didn't have my byline. It was just yeah. little bits, but like that, little things like that are all part of the yeah. the learning curve. I went out with Liam O'Connor, the photographer down to a job in Tinnahilly and um, on another day. And I had a day with Paul Williams. I had a day um, just uh, on the news. That desk. was a good work experience. It was really good. It was a good yeah. week, whatever. It was March of 96, whatever I was in transition. Yeah, so it was good. And um, it gave me a, a, a graph for it. And yeah, then about five, five years later, I found myself back there mm-hmm. and uh, on a six week trial. And um, it's funny that you talk about the phone because it's that landline in the newsroom that is just, mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly wasn't, um, I was nearly fighting people off to get to the phone yeah. because it could be anything. Could and be granted, anything, yeah. you and will, you right. might waste a lot of those phone calls on, on, on talk. I mean, like uh, there's, there's some stories that I'm still convinced could have been stories, but as soon as the news editor heard, it, um, he just said, no, that's not, we can't do yeah. that. Whether it's legal or moral or professional yeah. or whatever the reason. And I had spent an hour on the phone to this guy and yeah. I, like there, th- that happened a lot. But, when but the Joe ringing went, of the the ringing phones yeah. in the newsroom, and then the thumping on the, the, the computers, the, the computers and the, yeah, and and the smoke, that's the noise, the, the smoke. For years, there were smoke, and in, in the some rooms. places, the noise of the printing press going. Yes. and I mean they're yeah, all the. To me, that was like with a, a really. Great that's all time. gone. Oh yeah, it's all gone. It's uh, we're fancy offices here yeah. now, and the phones only ring when. I mean, it's, my it's phone's probably rang about 10 times there. It's constantly on silent, by the way, if anyone can't get me. It's <laughs> always on silent. Weirdly, but, um, weirdly, the guy who I sit beside in the office, his actual landline rang there a couple of weeks ago. He <laughs> didn't know what to do, but he wasn't there. Do we have landlines? We do. Oh but his God. computer wasn't even hooked up to it, which I thought had to. Did you answer it? No, I didn't. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stop. It was that, probably security downstairs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If anyone wants to get in touch with us with a story, yeah, yeah. it's on social media. Yeah. It's calling our mobiles. It's it's not calling a random landline. Yeah. Uh, in the office. Um, I'm sure so many jobs have changed so much within the sort of the 20 year period. I'm sure loads of people in different industries can remember. But do you think anything has changed as much as newspapers? Because they have now become something completely different. Yeah. I mean, obviously the newspapers, the newsprint still exists, but it's become a kind of multimedia thing. And all those old school, like a phone ringing, like somebody actually mm-hmm. ringing in out of the blue. Now, people still land here at the door. Sometimes. They do. And I mean, you have to, you have to, it's part of the hazing. Uh, as we were, Joe, someone put, called up to the door there a couple of weeks ago and we were all looking up going, whose turn is it? Like you, you do have to, yeah. some people pulled rank straight away. Yeah. Uh, and others have, we all had an idea who was next on the list. <laughs> they eventually got the hint. Um, you do have to go down and you have to sit with them on an awkward chair in reception yeah. and they have probably spent hours or possibly longer days planning what they were going to say to the journalist mm. and they've got the paperwork and they just like that is part of part that is still happening it doesn't always work out as a story unfortunately mm. you have to sift through a lot of um crap stories to get to the good ones no doubt about it but the the the, the phone ring and thing is kind of yeah. is very symbolic of the thing especially like the the Joe Duffy hour like just as soon as Joe Duffy ends in the Sunday world, the newsroom phone would light up yeah. because of people waiting to get on to Joe Duffy on radio and they didn't get on. So I need to rant to someone. I'm going to rant to a journalist in the Sunday world. So whenever that ended, 2.15 or whatever it is, the phones would light up in the Sunday world office for years. It was amazing. Like if you weren't there, mm-hmm. the phone would ring out. Actually, some, funnily enough, some of the best stories I got were um, were phones ringing at about 2.15, 2.30 and there was no one else in the office. I was the only one there. I was lucky enough just to pick them up. You right. just get that. You just get that call. Yeah. We joked about it before when I got into the, the Dokas prison. The only reason I got that story is because I was the only one who wasn't invited that out was to lunch. Crack. Give us was... a little rundown on that again. For those <laughs> who haven't heard it, we did actually do a podcast Full pod, on this. Yeah. But... Episode 160. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, basically I picked up the phone. I was the only one there and this um, this lady really... Um, very English accent. I think she was Leeds. I can't remember. Um, she basically said, um, you've probably heard of me. My name's Claire McDermott and um, I I was caught and I'm now in Mountjoy Prison and uh, I murdered someone a few <laughs> years ago. And I'm like, what? What, Jesus? Um, <laughs> you my did God. what? <laughs> and I want to give my story. And I was like, okay, uh, how do I come in to see you? And she says, I've given a name at the door. Um, just say you're Jimmy Tippett. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Uh, I don't have ID. She goes, you don't need ID. I've, I've been assured you, you'll get in. Uh, bring a notepad or a record or whatever. And I'll, I'll, a day later, I found myself saying I'm Jimmy Tippett walking into Mountjoy Prison and getting an error with her to get her full story. I had an A4 pad. I don't know if you remember me telling you. Yes. I couldn't find a journalist pad anywhere. The only So I, I think I stopped in a shop. What did you wear? I had a shirt, I had a purple shirt on with a matching purple tie and black suit trousers, I remember it. And I had this giant pad. Were you going for an actual look? Were you trying to look no, like the young lawyer? it was what I was or, wearing at the time because I was still trying to impress everyone in the office. I was still so you were, you were going, you were probation. <laughs> you were trying to look like yourself. Just trying to look smart. I, I wouldn't have said that was myself at the time. It was work, Dara. <laughs> if there was a work, Dara. I was probably only 10 weeks into the place. Um, and uh, I'd say the guy behind the window took one look at me and and he goes, what, what are you here for? And Jimmy Tippett to talk to Claire. And he looked at me and with the pad and the tie and the shirt and he goes, um, who are you? I said, I'm just a friend. Um, <laughs> and why, is the, why do you have the pad? And I said, well, I want to help her get a lawyer. So I need, I need to get the details of the 
the, the cage. That was the good. That was good. Oh, thinking on your feet, Nicola, yeah. you know, I'm still here 21 years later, <laughs> somehow. But uh, yeah, got in, did the chat with her and, um, but I don't know if you remember the, we, when I went back and I handed her a disposable camera that was in my pocket. Yeah, the managing editor told me to get some pictures of Catherine Nevin, who was in prison at the time. Uh, so I handed her the disposable camera across the table. She got it. Um, and so I went back to get that camera and update her on the story two days later. Again, as Jimmy Tippett. Again, I got in no problem. This time I had a smaller pad. And um, <laughs> she didn't have the camera because she wasn't able to get pictures. But she told me that Catherine Nevin had just lost an appeal, which we knew about, but she, that she trashed her cell. Yeah. And I said, OK, Grant, I just wanted the pictures, but that's fine. Went back to the office. And as soon as they heard Catherine Nevin trashes, trashes her cell, that was the front page. That yeah. was the story. I was so young and naive, I didn't even see the story in the excuse that so you'd you gave me. you knocked your own story off, off the, the front, front page. page. Yeah. Now, whether it would have been the front other... page or not, I don't know, but I certainly... I'd say a, a killer Possibly, possibly. There have been no headlines, prison. though. Like, she wasn't known. You see, it was in English. Yeah, so maybe... she was still, what, a murderer? Or yeah, she murdered, yeah. She, she yeah. stabbed someone to I death. I think that's a pretty intriguing story yeah, that a murderer would... Maybe I'm underselling myself a little yeah. bit. But, uh, so I knocked myself off the front page and had no idea who Catherine Nevin was, knew the name. Um, so Neve O'Connor was drafted in to help me write it. She was very sound and put my name on it with her. And then the Claire McDermott story was a spread at the back of the paper in 2021. So, um, and then I remember on the Tuesday I was with my mates and I someone said to me like, would she still have the camera? And I said, she might do. So I decided to phone the prison late one night, half eight, nine o'clock, and we were watching football. And uh, I said, it's just Jimmy Tippett here. I just want to talk to Claire McDermott. And uh, the only thing I got from, we know who you are, Mr. Tippett. Trust me, you won't be getting in here again. Right, fair enough. Okay, thanks very much. And we, oh yeah, we found your camera. That's what he said to me. We found your camera. So they obviously went back to the CCTV, saw who I was, saw me passing the camera. Tossed herself, found it, and yeah. Mr. Tippett, yeah, just, I Jimmy love Tippett, that. It's yeah, like, yeah. that's like the name you'd call a cat. It's a real person though, as we discovered today. Yeah. <laughs> and she, he's a boxer and a criminal. So we're going to leave him alone. He's a lovely fella. Um, and I love interest of Claire If McDermott. I ever get a cat, I'm calling him Jimmy Tippett. <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, look, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i far from that world now like in the feature side of things. But yeah, the, the newsy stuff was just, it was so exciting. It's so insane, and isn't it really? It is. Like you're in, you find yourself in brothels. You find yourself with talking to cops and in court and buying drugs, as you uh, pointed out at the very top. Like it's just <laughs> the most insane. I remember like, I think it was four or five legal letters came in in about three or four months and they were all they were all worthy of throwing out straight away. The, the news desk were not worried about them at all. They're just standard. Mm -hmm. But I remember shitting it every time a legal letter came in. Um, like, it was just, you're young, you think, you think yeah. you've messed up, but you're not. You're causing a problem for someone who thinks they have a yeah. right to, yeah. to lob in a legal letter. I'm sure you're, you're well used to it. Oh, yeah. In my yeah. world, I'm not. So, yeah. um, no, it's not very pleasant. At the time, you do I was go, like, God, I hope I got everything right. Yeah, and news-wise, I was loving it and all that, but then there was talk of this magazine launching in 2003. Um, their 20th birthday tomorrow and I was just thinking do you know what I would just I might just take this on and and uh, yeah I mean I'm not giving up on I wasn't giving up completely on news and, and crime but it was just you were drawn another, to another what? avenue the glamour and the celebrity the lighter and stuff the, yeah. yeah where you're not going to be worried about getting calls on, on a Sunday from someone you've done an interview with actually one of the well, actually one of the stories I wrote about recently was um a random prisoner in Mount Joy Square took a liking to one of my stories. I don't know whether it was 
it was one of the bigger stories anyway. And he phoned up looking for me. And I remember, and he mm -hmm. had an English accent. Uh, he called himself Mark. And to this day, I don't know if that's his real name or not, but he was in my phone as Mark for years afterwards. And But I never asked him either. So it could well be. And he said, um, I've just got out of Mountjoy. And I said, all right, okay. Um, I have something that might be of interest to you. And I said, okay, well, what's your story? He says, I don't want to talk about my story. I said, okay. Um, but I'm, like, I'm not a bad person. I haven't done anything really bad. Can you meet me? So I said, oh, maybe. Uh, like I was kind of like, oh, Jesus, um, can I bring someone with me? And he says, I just prefer to meet you. Uh, but we can meet in somewhere very public. And he said, the Gresham Hotel. So we met in the Gresham and um, he sat down. He says, yeah, I saw that piece or whatever. And he talked a little bit about himself without giving me too many details. And he's out after a couple of years. But before he got out, he worked in the kitchen. And before he got out, he opened up one of the roof tiles mm -hmm. and stole... 20 fake driver's licenses. Right. And he had them for me and he literally just handed them over and he said they belonged to Malcolm MacArthur. And, and I said, but was Malcolm making these? He says, I don't know if he made them or not, but there was a, a turn he was doing in behind bars and uh, I didn't like them or whatever and I knew where they were so I just decided to take them and he handed them to me and we did this kind of big fan of these fake driver's licenses uh, the pink slip driver's licenses now not what we have these days not the most sophisticated types exactly not mm -hmm. the credit card size and um, yeah we we did the story and for years afterwards Mark as I know <clears throat> Would would get on to me once or twice a year saying, "Look, I've heard something," and he, and every now and again he'd throw me something. Just he kind of weirdly built up a, a, a weird what rapport. Was his, what was his motivation? Because that's always the first thing I'm maybe well, it's I'm not an axe to grind. Cynical. I always go straight to axe to grind. What mm. is it? And uh, in that scenario, I'm putting it down to the fact that maybe he maybe he was pissed off with Malcolm or someone in the prison and he knew where these were yeah there there might be a bit of ego or he just wants to have a say or he the sunday world was like the bible in prison systems and i'm sure he saw it every sunday and maybe a bit of him wants to be have a small part mm -hmm. in that and you know it's interesting because i always want to know somebody's motivation mm. and i'm Probably okay with their motivation. I just want to know it. Do you ask them or do you try and yeah. work it out yourself? No, I would often ask people what yeah, is their maybe. motivation. Or sometimes people will actually sort of realise that, you know, that I might ask that and they sort of will preempt it and say what their motivation is. And I'm usually okay with the motivation if, you know, okay, they mightn't like a guy. That's okay. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not okay with it if it's obviously something that's going to cause put somebody else in danger or whatever you do it's a kind of very difficult thing to work out with certain pieces of information and certain pieces of information you can never sort of publish because you realize that the motivation is not something you're comfortable with and yeah. it could cause have a kick-on effect or whatever I mean that you do your best it's like a difficult world to maneuver around you have to navigate a fine line there I suppose I, I don't in my current world definitely not motivation is just publicity mm. um, whether it's a movie or a TV but there's, show there's, and, but well exactly in his scenario maybe maybe he did have some, some other reason and I was maybe a little bit naive to not ask him but at the time I was just happy to get out of there alive to be honest Nicola I didn't know like, <laughs> to talk about your, your more recent roles and interviews and Etc. You know, you say the motivation is clear, so it, it there is a clearer path in regards. But there's a kind of a a an alliance happening there. We're getting something. Yeah, 
And Correct. They're getting something. And rarely Usually they... people have something to sell when they come Correct. looking for publicity. Correct. Celebrities don't always just want publicity or people. They, in or the they choose team. their time. They choose to... their time. Yeah. And we have, we, I've got to the stage now where it's not, I'm absolutely my default setting is to make sure that I'm, everything's on the table. The, for, mm-hmm. the worst thing you can tell a journalist, um, uh, certainly a features editor who's going to make the call ultimately is you can interview this person, but you can't ask them about this or that, or mm-hmm. you can ask them one question or send your questions in advance. That's just not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. that just, that's contrived. It's controlled. It's, it's not what does we Does that want. happen often? Yeah. More often than, than, but, but we just say no. movies and. We say no. And some Irish celebs as well have notions beyond their station, to be honest. And they think that, um, they've, they've got profile and, um, they'll do an interview for a, a as a brand ambassador and not for, not for a TV show or a movie or something that will further their own profile, but for an actual brand ambassadorship, which is purely just for money. <clears throat> they can love this tan or they can love this and that's product all as much as they're willing to talk about. And they'll do the interviews with so many conditions applied to them. So we just say no. Like I mean, because that's an ad. Completely, it's an ad. So yeah. why would like, why would we pander to that? Yeah. Um. So it is happening. And when uh, you say people have notions above their station. From the little bit I've done, sometimes it's people who are maybe less correct well known. The higher the A listers would be more sound than yeah. the, the the D's and lower, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's that, and is that, that the people behind them? Do you think, or is it them? Oh God, there's yeah, a that's actually a bigger question them. than you think because I often wonder: is this the PR person putting these conditions on the interview, mm. or is it the individual who has said? I know that paper or I know that market or I know that individual. He can sit in on this interview, but he cannot ask me questions about this or that. Is it someone pulling the strings? I don't know. I'd love to know. I'd love to be able to actually at some point have an informal chat with some of these individuals and say, do you know that Mm. I was offered an interview with you last year, but these were the conditions. And if they weren't the conditions they'd probably be shocked if they were they'll probably lie and say oh I didn't know that yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know so it's hard to know mm. but you you don't and what sort of like is there standout assholey conditions that you've I mean is there like well the worst is the you've got send us the eight questions in advance right and you can't deviate I only ever did it once so what's the point in going uh, and it, this is going? for print for print so, so we then be taking notes about the answers so what's the point of going so they could just email you the answers Oh, it'll be that sorry, shallow. Sorry, the email interview. answers coming back. It's yeah. the, the, so they have the questions. In front I know, but of them what's the point? So you, they're clear. Do you go in and you ask? You read out these questions. Eight questions. Yeah. So what's the point of being there? Just send the yeah. recorder to the to the agent. Exactly. And they, they, yeah. Exactly. What is the point? They. Um. I mean, and sometimes that's in front, in a group setting as well. So your yeah. your eight questions are with possibly eight others. So you're getting more copy. But it's all still controlled, and it's your take on the answers that you can. That's the only difference between. I think people understand the machines that are behind all this. I think and they're getting the, it now. I think you see entourages in places. I yeah. think it's more it's more uh, transparent these days. But what they aren't seeing is that there are strings being pulled from stage one of the process here. Yeah. And you'll get the email. You'll see the headline. You'll see the individual. You'll get excited temporarily until you see the conditions that are applied. So they you. are offering up the interviews. I mean, do you also go looking for interviews? If oh something yeah, all is, the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's obviously a, a sort of a cleaner way of going about things. Yeah, that might come back with some conditions as well. And you know what? You might be you might be more uh, okay willing to mm. allow a few conditions on that one because it's it's not part of a publicity train and it's not something that has been uh, thrown into your inbox. It's something that you've actually sought. So you might be more willing to 
to take a hit on some conditions there. Mm. But you, you, like, th- and there's no proof of copy as well at any stage, just to be clear. That's the that's the ultimate kind of insult to, can we see what you're about to print before it goes to print? That yeah. that just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Like, no, not. I mean, some of the, some viewers ask, out of, yeah. but they're not going to get a yes out of that one. Like The Sunday world is inherently Irish, and that's really what was the secret to its success. Mm. Um out there in the communities and rural Ireland in particular, it's always had a connection with rural Ireland. And I think probably that shows in the features and in the how we handle showbiz, celebrity and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We would be very concentrated on a lot of the Irish stuff. The foreign big names come in and out. And of course, we take an interview with them if they're offering it. But really, ultimately, your expertise is around... The Correct. Irish stars. And and as you spoke to Eddie um recently, like the country music scene, um, it's one of our it's one of our go-to niche kind of areas and we would never ignore it. It's 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 a scene that is pro- there's a lot of snobbery about and a lot of people would absolutely look down their nose at it. But it is a thriving industry. The halls and uh, venues are filled every single weekend and the the acts travel around. We and we are advertising their gigs and we are interviewing them. And Eddie is, is nearly as synonymous with some of the bigger names yeah. in that that sphere. That's definitely something. And we we always kind of championed young Irish uh, music artists, not just in the country scene. Um, luckily, we have someone like Eddie who gets those interviews. And and, and to be honest, like, uh, like, like Eddie would be in our news meetings every Tuesday and he'd be he'd be talking about an interview with someone that we may not have heard of and mm-hmm. he'll, he'll, he'll kind of harp on about her being the next big thing. And it's it's more than likely she will be the next big thing, whether it's a global star or it's a YouTube star. There's, 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 there are... Um, He's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, like, and so. that's, and that music yeah. and showbiz scene and, and, and Esther for the movies and... I was going uh, to Eugene, say about Eugene Esther McCarthy because as well. she's very much done that in the acting scene, Esther, she has always identified the up and coming and has Absolutely. been has been in there from the beginning. And obviously, the most famous, I suppose, being Colin Farrell. That what does she know, Colin? She never talks about it. But <laughs> their relationship goes back to the very yeah. early days with him, and he would still be in contact with her. Like, I mean, they've built up a trust relationship the way we all have to with our contacts, be they in showbiz and the you know in the movies or in yeah. the underworld. Yeah. But um, so yeah, and. You know, when it comes to things like that, with she's more sort of movies. But what about TV? I mean, I choose what I want to watch when I want to watch it. And I always put that down to being busy or just not being home at the same time. Or I have a very kind of a haphazard schedule. But actually, I just think it's my, is it my generation? No, is it? well, I mean, I think that's normal what you're mm. describing, to be honest. Oil Winning Streak was on when it was on. Those big kind of um, headline-grabbing RTE shows, Twitter lights up, like uh, Room to Improve. Yes. That hour, half nine to half ten or half eight, whatever it is, on a Sunday evening. Well, I would watch that if I was. Yeah, you if see, I that's, had it on, like I would But that's the it. thing. It's those, yeah. kind of, those yeah. kind of shows. Mm. Um, you can see, if you don't watch it live, you're going to know what happens before the end of the show because of if you're on social media. It's one of those things where you kind of, it's almost interactive with Twitter at the time. Like first dates, for example, is brilliant to watch while you've got Twitter open because... And does that the, influence then what you do in the in Yeah, the, we would probably paper. pick up on a lot of stories from the likes of... Do like, you we, see we the would, interest basically on, on social media? Oh yeah, media. you would have to, you'd have you'd have to act on that quite quite actively and we're looking at that we have the website that we can act straight away. Yeah. We the In the past... Like previously, if Room to Improve had had thrown up 
um, there was some bonkers uh, homeowners through the years. Uh, you'd have a week to wait before you could even do anything with the yeah. individual. Whereas now, if you get hold of them on the Monday, it's going to go up online straight away. So yeah, you have to react to all of those. You definitely do. And um, I think it's important to, um, we, we, our feature section, which is um, in the middle of the paper, obviously every Tuesday we come in and we start again. You, you, you rip mm. it up from last week. There's, very rarely anything hanging over. Some of the new stuff, because we operate at such a level and our news side of things, which you know better than me, they're exclusives. You can hold them from time to time because you know what's going to hold mm. until the following week. Feature-wise, it, it mightn't be exclusive, but it also will be two weeks out of date. You kind of you kind of need to act a bit quicker. So you kind of tear up the script every Tuesday. And, and what makes again. it different nowadays is it's still that sort of inherently, inherent connection with Irish... Uh, with with yeah weirdly like we'd have a big celebrity draw uh, like we have their our center page for example our center page spread in the paper which um it will be celebrity driven every single week no matter what and you're, you're it's hard sometimes to come up with fifty two different uh, yeah. center page spreads in a week that you think are worthy of the main spread or the the biggest spread in the paper so yeah you 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 just you you, you don't just focus on Ireland but there'll always be an element of celebrity um. The, the only time we dip out of that is when it's news and we might get some human interest stories which we're really interested in um, because I think people of Ireland like to hear about people's um, problems and if they're better or if there's a fundraiser or if there's um, a, a sick child that you want you want to help or th- I think there's still um, there's still something about people opening up and being vulnerable in the paper that can kind of gauge or peak interest for it's the readers. It's actually funny you should say that because I had Brian Darcy, Father Brian Darcy, sitting here some yeah. weeks ago, and he talked about those early days in the first the first few of the 50 years that the Sunday world has been in existence. And he said exactly the same thing. It was those stories of, you know, people in need or whatever that actually got the people of, to come, you know, to start engaging with the yeah. paper. And they had all these envelopes coming in of money oh, for yes. people and all the rest of it. And so, you know, things have changed, but in a way things haven't changed. And yeah. maybe there's this, a bit more technology now and there's a bit more, there's a bit of a, a distance between ourselves and envelopes full of money anyway. True, That's for sure. Yeah. There'll be a GoFundMe link on our social media pages <laughs> yeah. as opposed to that. Yeah. But the same method is The same is sentiment there. is there. Giving people a voice, it's only for one day. It's yeah. only for one week, like that Sunday, it's their chance to to say something. Uh, it'll be quickly forgotten and I hate to break it to them, but it is, you move on quickly mm. enough. But if you can help that in some way, um, those stories always do really well. It's actually a, a, an area that previously mentioned Esther is very good at as well. Mm. So so she usually takes care of that for us. Yeah, and it helps a little bit along the way. Yeah. Um, to finish, mm-hmm. Darkini, uh what shirt are you wearing? Shirt? To the party. Uh, I can't wear this now that you've no, brought it up. Can't wear that. So I'll have to find a new one, do Maybe I? Maybe a brighter one. Have I got an invite to the party? Yeah, of course yeah. you have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll get brighter than this then for you. Okay. Are you going to go black? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. You know. I will. I will. I will um, wear a big shirt for you. Yeah. For the party. Wear something. Wear something. Party-ish. I absolutely will, yeah. Okay. So you're 21 years. 21 and a half years now. 21 yes. and a half years in the world. Hope you enjoyed every minute and Hopefully. many more to follow. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you, Dara. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. 
Do not consume the Sunday world if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday world responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.